Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for being with me today. It is uh, well, a little bit later. Usually I start at 8 o'clock. Rainy. Hey, good morning. Woohoo. I got to email you. Send me your email address in the in the um, message I just sent you uh, last night. Um, yeah, I, I got something I want to talk to you about real bad. So hopefully you got time today. Later in the afternoon today is when I've got time. But really, really, really want to chat. I got a, something up my sleeve. <laughs> and good morning, Jane. And uh, I think you're in New York. I think you are, but who knows? Uh, you'll, you'll communicate with me. Today is part two of last week's discussion and I cut it off early. If you remember the end of my discussion, it's like, oh, 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 I'm so pausing this. <laughs> um, I think you're gonna love today's conversation. Good morning, Mike um, in Guelph. I think you're gonna love part two. If you did not watch part one, you, today still will be excellent, but you gotta go back and watch part one. Um, because the context of the story that uh, we ended with last time was this. Um, we had been talking about Moses and, uh, what happened with him coming down off the mountain, um, with <laughs> evening from Oz. Hey, Faye, good to see you. Uh, we'd been talking about Moses coming down the mountain. His head was a glowing with a glory, all that stuff. And then, uh, a story of him trying to put a veil on his head, trying to cover the glory. Um, but the key with him was there was actually a, an ego pride trip going on. Uh, he did it because the glory was fading and he didn't want anybody to know that. So kind of a harsh lesson for leaders that stuff can go to your head fast. You can become more full of yourself. You can think you're more influential than you really are. Cause he said to the people, how long must God and I put up with you? <laughs> no, he wasn't from Alabama. Um, but um, the ego of God and I, uh, how many leaders uh, are teased or tempted with that kind of thinking? And almost all of us should be able to say, yeah, I've been definitely tempted with that and didn't even know it. Really, really hard. So with that, um, I, I forget how it's going to start today because I'm watching part two with you for the first time. Um, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Rainy. <laughs> I love it. <coughs> Rainy's from Alabama. Well, I, you guys, you got all talk kind of funny. But anyway, just kidding. Uh, you guys say we have accents, but we don't. We're Canadian. Um, anyway, uh, the start of today is going to uh, launch from last week when, when. Um, okay, if he if um, Richard doesn't repeat what he's going to say, I'll, I'll remind you at the very end, but it's really good. Uh, something about Peter when, when, anyway, you'll get it. Here we go. Let's not get any further. This is really, really going to be great. I hope you enjoy this, this interview. Uh, I'm watching with you live, so I'm, as soon as it's, I switch it to the video, I'm watching with you, hearing it. And so I, I can hardly wait. Here we go. Talk to you. All right. Part two. Holy smokes. We got teased at the end of the last one. And uh, I'm looking forward to this. If you missed 
the previous episode, go back and watch and listen. Um, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, Richard and I were talking about Moses and Jesus and uh, kind of highlighted the ego of Moses and covering his head with a veil. It's funny how the, some people who are super close to God, so to speak, ego finds its way in. How the heck does that happen? And I think you just alluded to it in the end of the last program, uh, Richard. So um, we did start talking about the story of Ananias and Sapphira and some false concepts of that. Let's just dive right in and make people go back and watch the other one. I don't want to lose the heartbeat and rhythm of what's going on here. Go ahead. Well, I was just where we were at was that I was saying that in the wake of this, look at the fruit of what this incident, if we just judge this by the fruit that was displayed, you know, after, uh, after the whole thing was over, I read this to you. This is out of the Amplified Bible. Um, you know, after, well, first off, I mean, people may, you know, it may be good. Let me just read a couple of these passages because uh, Ananias comes in, you know, obviously holding back money. And uh, Peter says to Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart that you should lie to and attempt to deceive the Holy Spirit and should withdraw secretly and appropriate to your own use part of the price from the sale of the land? As long as it remained unsold, was it not still your own? And even after it was sold, was not the money at your disposal and under your control? And so he just goes on to condemn him for the thing. And, and I mean, he was saying these, these are good. These are dynamics that are true. But like we were saying with Moses striking the rock, he's using it to make Ananias think that God is homicidally furious with him. Listen, upon hearing these words, Ananias fell down and died, and great dread and terror took possession of all who heard it. So dread and terror, all right, that's the fruit of Ananias dying. Then the, then the uh, three hours later, his wife comes in, and Peter tests her, tempts her with the same thing. Tell me, uh, uh, did you sell the land for so much? <laughs> you know, That's he's a her up. Who does that? Then Peter said to her, how could you two have agreed to conspire together to try to deceive the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. Wow. What incredible tenderness and forgiveness was ministered there. What a chance to repent. Much None, all right. Now listen to this. And the whole church and all others who heard of these things were appalled. Great awe and strange terror and dread seized them. Now by the hands of the apostles, special messengers, numerous and startling signs and wonders were being performed among the people. Um, and then it goes on uh, that with Peter in particularly, that his shadow would pass by and people, they put people for his shadow to pass over. And what I had said at the last thing was, I mean, you never even saw Jesus do anything like that where his shadow was doing this. Uh, Peter, I, I, you could see here, was assuming the role of the first pope. Wow. Okay. And by pope, I don't mean like the Catholic pope. I'm just talking about the concept of popery, that he came in and dispensed death. And then this strange terror and this off, this bad awe, you know, this, this, this terror, this fear overtook everyone. It changed from being an oasis of love and, and acceptance wow. into being a conditional, you step off the line and you're going to be struck dead if you don't do what I say. And you better not lie to me or you'll be carried out of here and buried. That is, you know, guys, I just, we all know that. No, we couldn't do that today. We would be exposed as the, as, 
as at the worst carnal idiots for doing that. And now listen, I might've done that when I first got, after I first received the baptism of the spirit, like I said, I also loved people a lot too. And just you like meant well, was, but it was blind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I had my good moments and my bad moments, but until I, you know, how I would minister to people today is so different than how I ministered back then. It's, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys because we've been, we've been through it. We've seen so many, so many fragile, fractured people, you know, trying to help them and bring them back and, and be part of it. And our own, our, our own lives being fractured by, by various things. And we come back from it and, and um, you know, we minister with the grace that's been ministered to us. And this is alien. This whole thing that we've talked about in this, in this passage Every fruit of it was alien. Now, you say, well, they were doing signs and wonders. Moses, water came out of the rock. <laughs> we talked about this in the last thing. Moses' sin, it was such a, a serious sin that God would not allow him to enter the promised land because he misrepresented his nature. Because God told him to speak tenderly. Well, do what to speak to the rock, not strike it. It's definitely not in any violent way. But then what does Moses do? He turns around, lambasts the people verbally. How long must God and I put up with you people and smashes his rod on the rock? The miracle happens, all right, but at the same time, he's misrepresenting the nature of God. And God, in that same passage, says, you failed to sanctify my nature. You failed to sanctify my name amongst the people. So this whole incident is when the nature of God was maligned by the early church because they didn't know better. I mean, that was one part of it. But who stood up to Peter? I, I guarantee you one thing. You, we flash forward to Paul. I guarantee you, Paul would have had the guts to stand up to him and say, whoa, whoa, what is going on here? You know, who, who tried to stop this train wreck? All right. And a train wreck is what it was. You're telling me, I mean, God owes an apology. Uh, I, I mean, when we see how, how this doesn't happen, how, how, you know, people lie to God all the time. But you know what he does? Seven times 70, he turns the other cheek. How does God treat his enemies? Which was ironically... Ironically, yes. told to Peter by Jesus. <laughs> so, do you think? Do you think? Do you think God would have said to? Do you think God would have said to Ananias and Sapphira when they arrived and went, oh, "That wasn't me." <laughs> My bad. Oh well, you know. Listen, you know, we talked earlier about the, about them pressuring out the spirit when Satan kind of got a grip hold in their heart. I, the same thing was happening with Peter. This was this this was a man elevation, and this is you know this idea that we can't withstand apostolic authority to its face. Hey, I'm telling you, you, you know, we withstand anything to its face that doesn't align with the nature of Jesus. Yeah. All right, and I don't care who it is or what it is, and so and, the, I, and I, you know, I the nature know, I don't want of standing in my face. I started preaching wrath. And I know you feel the same way. So the nature of Jesus is humility. And love and submission. Well, we can go look at it, right? Yep. So, I mean, I think one of the things that we have to understand, putting ourselves, and I, I like to do this because, you know, Richard, you're doing this right now, is, you know, when we, I, we're young in our, our faith, we're, we're, we're spunky and courageous, and but sometimes not quite seasoned in the wisdom we need. And we, we run out on limbs that aren't as, as, you know, as structurally sound as we think, and they break and we hurt ourselves or hurt others. Uh, this is a good example of that, I think. And what I, you know, what I mean by that is you have a young man, Peter. I think estimates are right, you know, around the time of Jesus' death. Peter's in his early 20s. 
mid mid twenties, maybe, maybe, sure, maybe, right? So you get a 22, 23 year old guy. I know when I was 22, 23, I had no baggage, no hangups, no, I was perfect. But that's me. I don't know about you two, uh, right? And so he's passionate. He's he's been restored by Jesus on this level. He's he's been given the the great commission, and he's he's running full steam ahead into this thing. But he still has a lot of Jewish. Uh, foundational belief, right? He has a lot of Moses, just like you said. Moses is still the indoctrination of his heart. Jesus is, has cracked that heart, right? But it's not, he, Jesus hit the rock, <laughs> Peter being the rock, right? And water's kind of coming out, but it's, you like that? You see what hey, I did? But he's peeing hey, himself, hey, ain't water. Right? See what I did? <laughs> so he's, He's still trying to figure out the flow of love, and he's got it wrong. We're all in agreement here. But he's hearkening back to, like, Exodus 33, 20, where it says, you know, you cannot see my face nor see me and live, mm -hmm. right? It's what, how Moses interprets God's, you know, if you see my face, you're going to die, right? That's exactly what he says. But then you fast forward to Jesus and he's like, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And not only did people not die when they look at Jesus, people <laughs> did the opposite. Wow. You know, you go to, you fast forward to Luke and, to, and Jesus is around a widow and her son's dead. And just being in the presence of Jesus, this guy sits up, starts talking to Jesus. So... <laughs> We get a 180 on the understanding of the God of Moses who said, hey, you can barely see my shadow, and that's all you're going to have, and your face is going to turn white, and you'll be in gall, like, you know, they'll... That was, unfortunately, still Peter's dynamic, even though he was a witness to Jesus. It just had not enrooted to the point where God doesn't look like that. God's never acted like that. The face of God doesn't bring us death. I don't think it ever left Peter. The, I think I think that that foundation that skeleton of law never yeah. left him and he's just gonna have to die like that and he just breathes whatever truth to the next generation and on and on and there's a progressive revelation. The progression of that revelation absolutely yeah. it, just because these guys didn't have it all figured out yeah say that again richard i couldn't hear you uh, I, I was going to give you another example now this one i'm about to tell you this is really this is i i, I love this all right, this is a this is a curiosity. You know, there's an unanswered question in the lady and the tiger. You know, it's, 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 and, you know other other stories. You know, the, time. time. Yes, you're cutting out. So, whatever something was stopping you from, uh, we couldn't hear what you were saying. Usually, your audio is great, but uh, try one more time. Okay, I was going to give another passage uh, three chapters later out of Acts. And, and as we read this, it doesn't tell you how the story ends with Peter. But I want to talk about it, but let me read it to you. This is with uh, Simon the Sorcerer. This is when Simon, you know, Simon the Sorcerer sees Peter lay hands on people, and they receive the baptism of the Spirit. All right. Um, when he, and he offered to buy it. And uh, he said, grant me this power and authority that anyone who I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But listen to what Peter says to him. He says, destruction overtakes your money in you because you imagine you could obtain the free to have the money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, 
for your heart is all wrong in God's sight. So repent of this depravity and wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that if possible, this contriving thought and purpose of your heart may be removed and disregarded and forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in a bond forged by inequity. And Simon answered, this is the guy that he just basically cursed out. This guy says, pray for me. I beseech the Lord, both of you, that nothing in which you have said may befall me. All right. Acts now, one. Give me guess the text what we again. don't know. Tell, tell, me, tell me where it is again. That was Acts 8. Uh, I'm sorry, that was Acts 9. Um, You're right. It, it's wait a eight. minute. It's 8. It's 8. Yeah, it's 8. Sorry, basically around verse uh, 18. Yeah, 18 around verse 18. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so anyhow, Peter chews him out, and then he says, I pray for you. He turned around. He responded to Peter's verse, pray for me. Both of you, that this doesn't happen to me. But you know what we don't know? We don't know whether Peter prayed for him or not. Mm. It doesn't say. Wouldn't you, think, wouldn't you think that that fact would be included? In and then Peter prayed with Simon. Okay. And, you know, there, there are, you know, there are various rumors about what came to Simon. But I would like to think that Peter did pray for him. But we don't know that. And it's not our place to know it. Because if we were to know it, I think it would have been in there. But again, where is the grace? Where is the mercy? This wrath that he operates out of is, is, is like you said, Mike, appears to be a continuing thing in his character. Uh, that, and listen, who, who was the disciple who got the arrow off the soldier? And Jesus had to tell him to put the sword up. It was Peter. All right, so so there is a there is an anger in him, and it's mosaic. You know, Moses was a murderer. Moses somebody dead. Moses had an anger issue, you know. And our anger, if we could only understand how our anger pollutes the image of God, and this is a dangerous thing for the, for it to be polluted in this in this um, in this in this situation, you know, because if we saw that someone who we deeply respected, you know, if Paul Young. For instance, I know we respect him. You know, if Paul Young had uh, suddenly struck someone dead, you know, or commanded someone to die or told someone they were about to die because you're a liar, you know, and your wife as well, you know, if, if they had said that, would and we saw somebody die, thinking what we think about Paul, what would we say? We, we might start kissing his ring. You know, we might start thinking he was the, he was the man of God. Well, maybe this is part of God's nature, you know, because Paul Young is doing it. And, and, and God, he's doing miracles and killing. So, so this, is, this is a dangerous dynamic of which we speak, all right? Because I think sometimes because we see that certain people hear the voice of God on some level and maybe even minister some power gifts or minister some truth, a lot of what Peter said is true, but he's, over, he's polluting it with his anger. He's polluting it with his, with his wrath, and it's redirecting it into a dark place to where, to, to where Satan, whatever we think Satan is, is trying to strike people dead, which he does by condemnation. You know, condemnation ooh, ooh. is the tool of the devil. Yeah. And and that's all that this 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 is this these two people were condemned to death, whether it was their own self-condemnation, as Bill said, you know, but but Peter's contribution to it, and even if Peter didn't contribute to it, I honestly think that he did, but even if he didn't contribute to it, he didn't stop it. He didn't yeah. try to intercede for it. He didn't try to block it. He didn't try to buffer it. And we're and supposed because, to be and who got all the credit for it? He did. We're, we're yes, we're, where's the Lord in this? When did the Lord get credit for any of this? It's all Peter. Yeah, we're supposed to be ministers of reconciliation. Not right? condemnation. Not condemnation. There is no condemnation. The for law condemns. Yeah. So Moses and Peter 
are very much alike in some ways. Yeah. Good-hearted, pulled out of a river, lifted jealous. up. Right? Jealous. jealous. Um, killed a guy. Peter, Peter tries to commit murder. He takes a Get, sword and... He was named for the year. Mouth, mouthless, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Just missed. <laughs> but the part that I caught from our conversations is Moses' ego because of his own self-shame and whatever uh, uh, he didn't like himself, whatever that is, having a connection with God, uh, he elevated himself up to a place that was never meant. Peter seems to be doing the exact same thing here. And both of them reveal humanity. They reveal we're all capable of it and be aware of it. That that's what I'm hearing. It's like, Holy crap. I can see that. What would happen if I suddenly got elevated to a really cool ministry? Let's say I raised someone from the dead because something freaky tiki happened. Man, the praise I would get, the ministry I would start, it's embarrassing to admit it, but man, I would probably milk that sucker, you know? Well, let me, I just had another kind of thought, and I think it kind of parallels here. Humanity, you're saying it's, it's a reflection of us, right? To some degree, Peter's a reflection of our, we can identify with them tribal kind of this thing that we do to one another, where we blame and condemn one another and we judge one another. And isn't it interesting that the collective of humanity, these communities of faith that gather that we call church, we always go back to that passage where Peter's called Peter because Petros, which means rock and on this rock, I will build my truth. And I think the institution of Christianity and going back to the whole Pope thing at the beginning, it's, it's kind of tying some strings here together, I think, which the institution has used this mechanism of condemnation inspired, maybe an even not inspired, this wrong word, but um, uh, manifested and kind of showcased by Peter. The, we elevated Peter to the first Pope. We've built our institutional church on the idea of Peter's wrath and judgment and those things. And then it's ironic that we have built a church on the man Peter to some degree, when in fact, what Peter expressed and what Jesus was referring to on this truth, I shall build my church, wasn't Peter. It wasn't Peter at all. It's what Peter expressed that you are the Messiah. Mm. You, you are the exact representation of God, the one that's come to the true confession the world. Here. Save the world, not condemn it. John 3, 17, I, for I've come to save the world and not condemn it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's through non-condemnation, Jesus being this Messiah, that he will build his true church. But the, the, the false church, if you want to call it, has been built on the, the kind of the, the spirit oh. man of Peter. Yeah. And Moses. Yeah. Like, and what, which They're paralleled. Which are parallel in those. I'm I'm humbled by really the I, I'm humbled by the idea that a bit of um, praise and power can really mess up motivation and fill an ego that if you're not getting your ego so to speak filled by Jesus because you know your identity you're trying to get it fed by something else yeah and so when Peter's still learning and growing like gotta give the guy a break. He he's at the beginning of all this. He doesn't know all the theological terms. He never read systematic theology by so-and-so, <laughs> right? Like he didn't know, um, but he's living it. And there's a, some honest humanity being lived out by him that gives us hope, but also humility to say, Hey, be careful. 
It's not about your stature, your reputation. It's not about being right. Well, and how many people have made Peter a, a perfect Christio formed character beginning an ax. You mean infallible? Infallible, exactly as Christ was. I mean, it's true. We do this. And that's the beauty of the scriptures. Is the scriptures show us that I almost, I, I, I just stopped myself because I almost said the F word. People are really messed up Good. in the scripture. Be wise. <laughs> People are really effed up, right? A lot of times. Yeah. And that's yeah. normal. It's okay if we're, we're a little screwed up. The good, the good news is Jesus loves us despite our screws up, screw, yeah. screw ups, right? He still desires to restore us, even if we are a hothead guy who walks around and denies people and slings swords and, you know, slams rocks and uh, all these other things. It doesn't separate us from that love that is Christ, that is in Christ. And that person, Jesus picked him to be one of his most loyal representatives. That's beautiful. And he knew in advance. You're muted, Richard. <laughs> You're muted. We can't hear you. <laughs> okay, sorry. My, I, my phone's there messed up. Go. But anyway, no, uh, I, I could hear all of y'all. I mean, I could hear both of y'all. But uh, basically, the uh, yesterday I was meditating, and this line just came to me out of the blue. I know it's obvious, and I put it in, inside a post I made yesterday, but it was like the problem with titles is that it gives you entitlement mm. that's the problem with titles it gives you a sense of entitlement and i think that the entitlement that moses spells in the old testament it's god and me against all of you you know yeah. how, how long must god and i put up with y'all absolutely you know and, and, and then and then peter here i mean how much why do god and i have to put up with y'all lying to him all right because he carries the apostolic title and I'm just saying, listen, I understand it's good to know what apostolate teaching is and all that. But I got to tell you, I, I got to believe at some point, if, 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 if I am operating as an apostle, I really don't want you to call me an apostle. And even when Paul, even when Paul did it, he said, I'm the least, you know, I mean, Paul struggled with that, you know, I, and he said, well, sometimes I'm not a, I, I'm a, you know, I'm not less than the greatest, but, but I'm the chief sinner. You know, he, he kept, he kept that tension of humility down. Uh, with it. And, and we just, uh, I wonder where John was when this was going on. You know, I, uh, maybe John, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, James and John, you know, they had some issues too, wanting to call down lightning on people. So I guess everyone's got this. It's just Peter has it in a more obvious and a more authoritative way, a more assertive way. And uh, he obviously carried a lot of weight because he was the biggest and the loudest of them. <laughs> you know, evidently, you know, he was the first one to jump jump out of the boat and sink and everyone else. But yeah, he's got a good um, story, doesn't he? Pattern. <laughs> he does. He does. But I mean, the challenge, the beauty of all this, I think, is that we can see these guys are just like us. These dudes are just like us. Bingo. We struggle with it. We struggle with the same anger, the same frustration. And we're here for each other to help monitor each other, to, to with, come up and help each other stand and to hold each other's elbows and prop, prop each other up. When we and, and confront each other with our in, in love with our faces, uh, I mean face to face, you know, like like Paul did. Uh, did you see, so you, you know, I, I think on, there's all sort. Pardon? Uh, did you see his post on the titles yesterday, uh, Mike? He didn't. That was good. I, I made no. a comment. My, my comments got a little traction, so I, I said, you know, some people call me a space cowboy. Some <laughs> people call me a gangster of love. 
Some people call me Maurice because I speak with the pompatus of love. <laughs> I would take those on as my titles. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. I well, you know, Maurice. Wesley, what, what oh. I posted yesterday was about Wesley. You know, yeah, he, he comes over, he, he comes over here and starts these these orphanages and the lay movement that which is that you know Jesus is our mediator, not men. We don't need somebody to mediate between us and God. So he goes back to England, and then he hears that uh, Asbury and and uh, um, the other fellow Pope or whoever it was was over here, and they were starting to call themselves bishop. That's right. And uh, he was furious, and he sends them a letter saying, "What." I study to be little. Y'all study to be great, to make yourselves great. I mean, he 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 pretty much just just exposes this. He says, "Like I tell you this, you know, you can call me a scoundrel, a liar, a fiend, but I won't ever, with my permission, allow you to call me a bishop." You know, that's how seriously Wesley was in his day. And, and listen, and Wesley had some temper too. But I would say this: Wesley was right there in the middle of this Calvinistic evil that was there trying to malign the character of God in America. And he was at least from his limited perspective, trying to come in and stop that. And, um, and I have deep and abiding respect for Wesley because he was a Paul that would have withstood. I guarantee you, he would have withstood Peter to his face, mm. you know? So, I mean, these, these, these things are, are for our edification. And if it's not edifying, uh, and, and you can see here the juncture here where the church maybe just maybe took a step into darkness in the early church, or at least the seed was planted for this hierarchical evil that, that now infests and limits and, and pollutes the church, maybe we could trace it, the seed of it to, to this event. I'm going to well, throw, throw a curveball, and this is something that's been, it, it's one expected, maybe this sets us up for something else down the road. One of my interpretations uh, in the book of Revelation, depending on how you look at it, I mean, I'm taking a left turn, sorry, but it's what we do here. So um, depending on how you read that book from different views, you have these preterist views, you have these historist views, you have all these different kind of angles, you know, futurist views, some sort of spiritualist or, or you know, um, view that where you internalize an allegory. All of those, I think, have application. But one of the interesting things that I think has always caught my ear, interestingly enough, is, is the idea of the thousand year of unleashing Satan on the world. Yeah, that makes no right? sense. Isn't that a weird thing? And you're probably like, what is, what? what's that all about? I find it fascinating that if you think about this thing from a historist perspective, if you've ever studied it at all, um, and historist is in, in summation is, is thinking about the book of Revelation, about the history of the entire story of Christ basically from his resurrection and victory over the grave all the way to where the church is going to go, right? Um, it has some future applications, but it's also expansive of the entire church story, not just some future history that hasn't started yet. Um, I find it fascinating that if you look and you just think about the history of the church, the, the ecumenical church, the Catholic church, whatever you want. And Catholic, yeah, not yeah. meaning Catholicism, it's but the union of church. The universal, right? not the Roman Catholic. It's a Correct. universal church. If yeah. you look at basically 1,000 years in the history of the church, right at 1,000 years in the history of the church, what happened? It depends. What, what, what are you focusing at 1000 on? 1,000 A.D., or okay. 1,000, I think, 54, I think it is. I think it's 1,000. Since I don't have Google memorized in my head, uh, go ahead and tell us. It's the Great Schism. Uh 
It's the breach of the church. It's where the East went one way and the West went another way. And it's where condemnation of the Pope and Con, you know, the Constantinople started throwing barbs at one another, saying, no, the bread's supposed to be leavened. No, the bread's supposed to be... It's condemnation reached the pinnacle of the church and it fractured. Satan, a thousand-year reign, was released upon the, the church in, in a very allegorical sense at the top level of what these people who were meant to shepherd the church in the same exact thing we're talking about that Peter, Peter was asked shepherd my people and he, he, he fractions it. And I think you're right, Richard. I think this is the seed of something that, 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 that was, you know, became climax to some degree a thousand years after this moment in time of Peter. And mm-hmm. we're still deal- dealing with this thousand years. Right now we're, we're what? 2021, right? So we're within a thousand years of this schism where condemnation has been the heart of our church. It really has been. And, and, and to a different degree to where it reached the top. And now it really has. And I think the Reformation tried to recover some of that. And here we are, I think, on a precipice of a transfiguration. I know we've talked about that before, where we're going to get rid of all that. That Satan's going to finally, the, 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 you know, the head's going to get crushed through the body of Christ. Um, I, I, that's at least what I believe. And that's how I've interpreted that. I, I mean, I, I, that's totally, you know, taking some things and, you know, stretching and twisting, contorting. But I do believe that there is some, some kind of deep undergirding kind of beauty in that, 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 that a thousand years ago, we had, the church had a big problem and we're still dealing with the fallout of that. But, you know, if it really is a thousand years in any literal sense whatsoever, even if we're just kind of close, I mean, we're, we're coming up on the end of that timetable. I'm so glad we don't have those problems today, you know, having 45,000 <laughs> different denominations all agreeing. <laughs> right the fractureness of, of our churches you're muted sorry <laughs> it's a sign <laughs> no it's every time you're no. every time the, the picture changes it self-mutes or something so i'm trying okay. to remember well I, I think there's a rising tide um you know hell i'm telling you 20 years ago hell was unassailable mm. i mean and now there is such a t- rising tide against it. I think we're part of the m- movement coming out of what Bill's talking about. Yep. Uh, and I'm not saying it won't be tumultuous. And there's still, listen, there's still a stronghold of hell. I'm not saying that. I mean, people defending it. But I tell you what, there is there is an army of people out there who won't accept it any longer. And once that goes apart, I, I mean, and, and listen, how did that fit in with Peter's, you know, with, with the spirit of what Peter did? Hell fits right into that, boy. You, does, know, you're, yeah. you, you know, you're going to obey or you're going to suffer in hell unless you uh, give God everything. I mean, and, um, you know, so that doesn't work. It is a spirit of condemnation and it's the Antichrist, really. Right. But, you know, the amazing thing about it is we can have Antichrist and Christ in us at the same time. <laughs> and the, our only hope is that we stay soft, we stay tender, and we stay centered on Jesus and we stay centered on helping each other not move in these areas of, right. of, of violence. You know, that's why, I, you know, maybe that would be something we could talk about sometime would be violence, you know, just the place of violence. What well, is think, it, you know, is it our role to, to, to forsake violence? Yeah, and to loop this all back around, you're, you're 100% right. We go all the way back to the verses of Jesus of how we deal with conflict. And it shows that we're supposed to have this human experience with other humans, relational, right, and partnered, that, that when we're, 
where two or more are gathered, I am. And there's not accepted, I am there, right? And I think that just comes back to the fact that, you know, this spirit of tenderness, the spirit of kindness, the spirit of forgiveness, the spirit of vulgar well, Pe- grace. Jesus was correcting Peter when he cut off the dude's ear. He said, Absolutely. this is rebuked not it. how I work. This is I not don't deal I with when violence. And they asked to call down fire and brimstone. He rebuked them, right? And we yeah. have to go back to Jesus. He is there. And as long as we acknowledge his presence in the middle of these interactions, one-on-one, yeah. two-on-one, a community on one, and this isn't about throwing stones. This is about restoring the humanity through the mechanism of grace that doesn't make sense logically. It doesn't make, it's a stumbling block to the religious ways that, that humanity wants to operate. But if we trust it and we build people up who are at their lowest, we can see the kingdom manifest right before our own eyes. Mm. Well, and, and, and I think, you know, I think that uh, for me, the, the, the core of it is, is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 38 through 48. That, that's where Jesus explains perfection of the Father. And if you know, I, don't, I don't worship Peter, you know what? I don't follow Peter. And I know y'all don't either. I follow Jesus. Right. And where did Jesus ever strike someone dead? He did nothing but intervene to stop people yeah, being stoned to death. He raised them to or life. Or stoned under the law. He, de- he never <laughs> sanctioned any kind of violence. And he repudiated. He repudiated. And don't hand me the, you know, tossing over tables. No one got hurt in that. That's, that's silly. He was clearing out so kids could come in there and praise God if you read the thing. You know, so, I mean, it's not, this is just so obvious that this was not Jesus. Because I, I, because if we look at Jesus's life, if we look at his morals, if we look at his teachings, if we look at his ministry, they were violence-free. And you're telling me all of a sudden Peter has the right to start administering. Oh, ah! no. Oh, no. <laughs> He's having trouble today. Well, but yeah, Peter can't administer the, I, the wrath. I'll actually go. I'm going to challenge him, and we'll do that another session on violence. I'm, I'm going to tease my side of it. I think Jesus was violent. I just don't think he was vengeful. Okay, well, let's save that one. We're creating a rabbit trail. Holy smokes. I know. That's another tease for another day. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'll, yeah, you're I'll, muted, I'll... Richard. Don't forget. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll, we'll go down that whole road yeah. of violence. I love to talk about that. I, I think, think that's, that's a good topic because really good topic. We can do next. Yeah. Jesus seemed to dispute, I'm not going to deal with people through violence. I'm not going to coerce them through violence. I'm going to coerce them through love. And that you can see yeah, sprinkle through the I have I have a different take on this. And That's nice. So what? Yeah, yeah. I got I, this will be a good. That'll be a fun one because I, I want to sure. change you guys' language. Not not uh, just just language. I think okay. violence is a be, is an is an incomplete word. That that's safe. Okay. So let's let's finish up with this this topic then. Um, I I loved the connection between Peter and Moses and that there's a lesson to learn from, for all of us, humility, ego. Um, I saw the grace of Jesus, you know, restore Peter. And I think when G- when Jesus pulled Peter and said, Hey, yo, I need you as a disciple. He, his heavenly father already knew everything that was going to happen and still used him. He wasn't looking for perfect people. He's looking for hearts that are teachable because I think Peter went through ups and downs of learning curves. Oh shoot. So have we, we're not done. And to me, Peter gives me hope because for me personally, part of my life messaging has been shame. 
I'm not good enough. I will never be good enough. So when somebody starts to tell me I'm good enough or, hey, that was amazing. Hey, can you be a leader in this? Suddenly ego gets filled up. But man, the last number of years, things have changed. I, I, I do funerals all the time. So the funeral home staff introduced Reverend Michael Zenker said, no, just call me Mike. Or I introduced myself as, hi, I'm Mike, the minister guy, like killing the title <laughs> because to me, I don't want to look like any of those guys with the collars or the ties. I'm sorry. You've messed up the love of Jesus and made it religious. I want to make it authentic. And I, I see this happening in the story. And when you mentioned, you know, the Pope began then, you didn't mean the Roman Catholic Church. You were talking about the rule of leadership, telling people what to do and elevating roles. That's what I heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Someone assuming the mediator. Someone yeah. assuming the role of mediator between the, between the body and Christ. Yeah. When everything about Christianity is we don't have a mediator. We are each other's. That's why I love the Quakers. I, I've shared this before, but you know their whole their whole idea was that uh, uh, they ask uh, you know they ask uh, George Fox you know why is it that you have uh, no clergy, and they said well it's not that we don't have any clergy it's that we have no laity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a, uh, that's a brilliant answer, and and they, and they would sit you know and they would quake under the conviction of the spirit you know just in in, in awe you know and they would sit there and. and and the meetings would be unscripted and that sort of thing. And um, so, I mean, and listen, it can seep in anywhere, even in that, you know, even in that it, it can seep in. It's always half, this, this entitlement mentality is always a half a step away trying to, it, to each of us, trying to say, I'm entitled to this. And that's the you know, and, uh, this this whole passage here is it's transparent. Yeah. The Bible isn't some, you know, book where everything is just, you know, candy and roses after Jesus comes. Yeah. Yeah. They're still working through it. And it's right there for us to be able to see this and have a discussion about it and come to grips and wrestle through it and not elevate these guys to some super deity, you know, right behind Jesus. I mean, they were real human beings going through real struggles in a real environment, making mistakes and we get to see it firsthand and we don't have, there, there's no shame in it. Even from our angle. Now we can, we can forgive them and, and forgive Absolutely. one another for doing the same thing. So Richard, you have mentioned several times that uh, I think it's Matthew five seems to be one of your highlights, right? Right. Did you, did you see that first nation's beatitude translation that I posted to you today or shared in the group? I, I did. Yeah. I, I had seen Brad. Uh, I'd seen Brad share. Exactly. Uh, it's awesome. I've just downloaded or bought the uh, a Kindle book and I have a hard copy coming, but that's, that's another wake up call um, here in Canada. We just had a national day of reconciliation. Um, it's the, it, it was about realizing Canada played a dark role in taking children from their parents and putting them into residential schools. Kids died there. Their bodies were hidden, like literally hidden unmarked graves. We found them this year. It's awful. The history we have. And now to see an uh, indigenous Bible translation that God speaks through yet another translation, we're not done. There are so many better ways that God's going to communicate his love and grace. It's not going to be through the King James Bible. (laughs) You know, he can use it, but now there's another level. Like all these other voices are coming up where there's been a void. And the story of Ananias and Sapphira, 
I think it's the same thing. There was a voice that was sent up, but a contradicting voice to squash that is coming and is here already saying that was not God. This was ego and man and a misrepresentation of who God is through the telling of the story. You keep saying, well saying Savira, and all I can do is, it's terrible, sorry, is put her name into the song Elvira. That's my <laughs> town. I live in, listen, I live in Elmira. Elvira. Elvira. I know. <laughs> oh, man. God's you heart is it. on fire for so yeah. far. I love that song. Hey, listen, I got pulled over by the police for playing that too loud downtown, the main strip. <laughs> anyway, that's a rabbit trail. Let's keep going. There you go. There you go. We're done. We're done. So, gentlemen, uh, before I don't leave yet, but uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, uh, joining us in this conversation. This was super enlightening for me. Um, really enjoyed it. It sure stretched my wings and uh, there's so much more to learn. Stay teachable. I think that represents Christ in you anyway. So Bill and Richard, thank you for taking time to join me today. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what we talk about next time. Maybe it is the vengeance and violence of God or misconceptions of it. (laughs) So, all right. Thanks guys. You bet. All right. Oh man, so what'd you think? How'd you like that conversation last week and this week? It uh, kind of opened a, not just a can of worms because some people were probably, some of you and even me, at times I'm thinking, okay, are they going to answer the question? You know, one person already commented, uh, uh, who then killed uh, Ananias and Sapphira? I think it was lightly touched on at the, in the first half, um, but it became pretty clear that that's actually not that important. Uh, whoever wrote the narrative, was it accurate? Who knows? Um, but some stuff was shared that I think is is really a hard pill to swallow for for all of us. And a warning that we are all capable of the same attitude creeping in. You get a little power, you get a little influence get a little your your head swells up with ego oh my goodness (laughs) if you can at least be honest and admit you're susceptible to it then you're probably more open to be teachable about it if you don't think you're capable of it you're in deep trouble anyway i i really enjoyed that conversation i i hope you did as well thank you for those that were commenting in i'm just going to quickly go through the uh the comments to see if there was something pertinent to the actual um, conversation. Rainy, give me a hard time. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um, where we go? And so- somebody said the sound was bad. Yeah, uh, Richard's uh, coverage, his cell phone coverage, was really bad. Uh, we ended up fixing it. So the next, from here on out, his his audio will be a whole lot better. Um, most of the time, we could still hear him just fine, um, but. In this episode, the audio cut out a lot and it was really rough. So I apologize, but dang, let's list. I'm here for the content right now, and uh, it was really, really good. Um, da-dum, da-dum, that's all I got. Yeah, ego. Uh, Rainy writes, easing God out. Ooh, that's good. I like that. And Sandra from the UK. Good morning. Uh, great to have you on board watching. Uh, again, I hope this this uh, two part series was good. Um, yeah, we're going to probably talk about uh, the violence of God or uh, what that sounds like. And that's a really big topic. Uh, I was out for a walk with my wife last night. 
and uh, we we touched on that. She comes from a, an Anabaptist background, um, where peace and nonviolence were a big part of the upbringing. They're almost militant about their stance, and I, I balked at it. But now I'm revisiting it all. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, as I'm unpacking and re-seeing how to understand Scripture. Even, even the the lens of the or sorry the miscommunication misrepresentation of God that we see in Scripture. Um, now I'm able to look at this whole peace and nonviolence perspective from a more grace-filled, hope-filled lens. And that's pretty cool. All right, uh, I'm going to run. Uh, thank you for taking time to join me today, uh, Rainy. I will get in touch with you this week. Um, but here's what it's about. I might as well just I'll tell you tell you all this. I'm putting together a very special conference in January. Two years ago, we had a Grace and Grieving event. Paul Young was uh, here, and we shared about the journey of grieving and loss and trying to unpack that. And that was a really good event. Then COVID hit. Uh, haven't done anything since then. So this January, I want to do an online a uh, conference called Healing Life's Hurts Through Understanding Forgiveness 2022. This will be in January. Um, once information is ready, uh, I will have links posted. It'll be an online type of thing that you you register for and blah, blah, blah. Uh, currently, I've got a number of guests uh, that are, uh, are on board. Uh, obviously, Richard and Bill Thrasher will be on board uh, as a contributor. Uh, Andre Rabe. Um, Brad Jerzak, um, and I got a few others. I think um, Red Shoot, I'm hoping he'll respond. I just emailed Stuart uh, in Australia and Rainy. That's why I want you, Rainy. I want to talk to you about this event. I want you contributing to this. I think you have a lens that can help us uh, look into the topic of forgiveness from your uh, perspective in the work you do. So that's that's why I'm trying to bug you, uh, to see if I can get a green light uh, to include you in this and then roll with it. Anyway, that's it. Lots is going on, and uh, uh, I am I'm so looking forward to that. Next week is going to be cool. Um, it's episode 100, which is cool, because if you notice the, the, on the titles, it's E098, E099. Well, next week, it's E100. Uh, 100 episodes of Still Growing in Grace. And uh, uh, the, the topic's going to be on what do we do in our journey of growing in grace when others are swinging way too much to the left or to the right or jumping off the wagon completely. How do we handle that? Um, I think I think that's going to be really, really wild. All right. Um, so we have two really good conversations on when our friends kind of go off the rails. How do we handle that? Uh, it's a touch of deconstruction um, contemplation. And I think I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Jane, you were asking where are the previous tapings. Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, uh, that's where everything is. The links are below in, in this video. If you're watching on Facebook, down below, you'll see links to Still Growing Grace. Um, and you'll, you'll see, you just go down and you can see all the topics. There's 99 videos there. <laughs> it's, it's great stuff, all varying topics. So, all right. I hope that helps. And... Uh, yeah, rainy good. Yeah, looking forward to that. You guys have a great day um, and grace to you all. And don't forget, we're all still growing in grace. Have a great day.
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.